Hello, and welcome to Winging It. Today's episode is on cooperative breeding. My name is Ariana Alexander. Let's get started. We've all heard the saying, time to leave the nest. This phrase generally is used when urging an older child to move out of their parents' house and become a responsible adult. The roots of this saying come from the process of baby birds growing to sexually mature adults and quite literally leaving their nest. Unlike humans, birds tend to reach sexual maturity within a few years of birth. And at that time, they leave the nest to raise their own family. However, some bird species exhibit an interesting phenomenon where, instead of leaving the nest and starting a family, the adult bird decides to stay home and help raise their parents' future young. This phenomenon is described as cooperative breeding, and that's the topic of today's episode. You may be wondering, well, what exactly is cooperative breeding? According to Digby at Duke University, the official definition of cooperative breeding is a social system in which group members help raise dependent young that are not their own, often delaying their own reproduction. Digby then goes on to describe common themes of cooperative breeding, which I will now touch on. One key feature of cooperative breeding is this helper or other group member that aids in raising young, whether that be extensive, which could be infant caring or food sharing. Another feature that is considered a staple of cooperative breeding is the delayed dispersal of young. As described by Ekman in 2007, this occurs when the young choose to not leave the nest, which foregoes opportunities for personal reproduction. Let's talk a little bit more about this idea of delayed dispersal. We understand that birds are deciding to stay at home, but what factors increase the likelihood that the offspring will stay? In other words, what parameters set up the perfect environment for cooperative breeding? Well, in 1992, an author by the name of Koenig and his associates outlined what they considered to be the five parameters necessary for cooperative breeding to occur. The parameters that they stated were, one, relative population density. This simply refers to how dense is the population. Usually smaller populations may have more helpers because there's less kin competition and more need for help with raising young. Their second parameter was the fitness differential between early dispersal slash breeding and delayed dispersal. The third was the observed or hypothetical fitness of floaters. Now these two parameters are basically stating What fitness benefits do the birds receive by staying at the nest longer? This has actually been studied in a bird species called the Siberian jay. It was found that those who dispersed before the age of one had less overall number of offspring 
than those who delayed dispersal. The distribution of territory quality is the fourth parameter that they found. If there are no vacant territories in the area, the birds are more likely to exhibit cooperative breeding. In the Florida scrub jay, the environment in which they live is so limited that the territories of their neighbors are all stacked together next, next to one another so that the distribution of territory promotes cooperative breeding because it's so limited. And the last parameter that Coing and Associates found was spatio-temporal environmental variability. I know that sounds like a mouthful, but this is just another way of saying an environment that changes in condition over space and over time. So what, so now we know what cooperative breeding is. We also know what parameters promote this behavior, but what is the impact of cooperative breeding on birds in a species? Well, in 2010, bird expert Mike Webster and his colleague Claire Varian looked into cooperative breeding in the red-backed fairy wren. They wanted to investigate how many sons and daughters were produced in this species. So for a little bit of background, Webster explains that helpers can in fact help their parents produce more offspring and that males are usually the helpers while females go on and have their own families. However, Webster also knows that during food shortages, birds like the white-winged chaw, females actually benefit from producing fewer of the helping sex than more. So with this in mind, Webster and Varian looked at red-backed fairy wren in order to see the quantity of helpers that were born. In this species, the male birds are the helpers while the females go off immediately to start their own family. The associates found that the primary sex ratio was biased towards daughters, the non-helping sex. However, when some parameters are met, the female bird may choose to produce more helpers. So in this species, it does follow that the birds did choose a non-helping sex when it was not beneficial and a helping sex whenever it was beneficial. So that's all that I have for you. The mystery, however, remains. How does the bird control the sex of the offspring that she has? Well, that's a problem for a future episode. Until then, this is Ariana Alexander, signing off.